Hello everyone and welcome back to Wavelength, the IUVA podcast. Today we are on to part two of Molly and Sakith's conversation with Professor Ashokat Gill from UC Berkeley. This episode is brought to you by Light Sources Incorporated, your global UVC lighting solutions partner. More on Light Sources Incorporated later in the show. I hope you enjoyed the second part. Anyways, there were a few learning lessons along the way. One of which is the enormous disconnect between the lives of people at the bottom of the economic pyramid and the first world, even in terms of access to information, the kind that I had that allowed me to design this. And I used to say to myself, you know what, it's a light in a box with water flowing along the bottom of the box. That's how it is, right? Yeah. What's the big deal? Anybody with a high school education should be able to do this, right? But, but the other side I learned along the way is that that's not how, that's not how it works because you need to be able to answer questions that are maybe two or three levels down. Like is photo dissociation going to harm people? How are you going to design this box so that some ill-informed parent who thinks that, oh, if it can kill cholera pathogens and my kid is dying of cholera, can I put my kid um, near this box? Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Honest to God, in 1990s, the misunderstanding about causes of diarrheal disease was so widespread. People used to think that you get diarrheal disease if you walk bareheaded in the hot sun. And I, I had, you you might know this wow. fact. Yeah, I don't know. yeah we, are just, uh, try, we are just experienced that with Corona right now. So I can totally imagine yes. the kind of lives that were there back then. Yeah. yeah. This vast amount of misinformation. Right about diarrheal diseases and the, that pathogens are the cause or that you wow. even need safe drinking water. I've been in meeting with village elders who said, we are all sitting around here and we drank our water from the open canal or from the open pond. And look, we are sitting here and talking to you. Why are you trying to do this? And there are two answers. One is, and I have used this bluntly, one is that those of your cousins and brothers and sisters who died of diarrheal disease are not at this table. Remember that. Okay. I lost six of my cousins when I was a kid to diarrheal disease. Jeez. I didn't know it wow. at that time because I was like, a really not even going to kindergarten, but six of my cousins, not my brothers, but, but kids of my aunts who lived in rural areas passed away from diarrheal disease. And I can only imagine the heartbreak of the parents, let alone the value of human life alone. I mean, this is just horrible. So you have to yeah. tell people that the people who are not around the table are the ones who are lucky ones. Okay. Yeah, you're still I, breathing. <laughs> I know. And, uh, and the second answer is that 
when when these people were young kids below age five, that is a long time ago, the population was less, the defecation rate was less, the natural cleaning ability of the environment, just ordinary sunlight, and a sunlight kills pathogens pretty well if the load is not that high, right? Natural predation from other uh, pathogen uh, become the food for larger predators in the biota of water, in natural waters. So all those will work if the population fecal load is not that big. But all of these combined together, we live now in a different time. We have yeah. more knowledge, we have more technology, we have no more ability, we have more money, but we also have more people, <laughs> more pollution. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine all these factors were such big problems back then. Right now, we feel like these are not such big issues, like fecal matters and everything. These yeah. things have been solved. But they're not solved. In Bangalore, they're solved. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But honestly, if you if you were to look at rural India, the largest concentration of the poorest people in the world, people whose daily earnings in purchasing power parity are less than $1.95 per day. The yeah. largest single number of them live in India. Yeah. India has such vast income inequality and such vast health and wealth inequality that you just have to go out there and, and see the lives of people who are Adivasis and who are destitute and who are landless laborers um, is very, very hard. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I've heard some stories from my own mom, mother's villages where they had to like walk around 10, 20 kilometers just for one pot of water and they couldn't carry yeah. that much of water because no, it's heavy and all that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And so, just to bring back uh, Dr. Ashok, uh, like when you had approached these heads of villages and they were reluctant because obviously it's a new technology, they are yeah. very away from all these new inventions. How right. did you get to convince them finally? How was it implemented? How, was so that that how long did that take? to educate them and have them embrace the new technology? What kind of timeline did you work with? Uh, it, here's a timeline. I, I finished the design of UV Waterworks and had it tested in the lab. And I was very confident with a 300% overdose of UV that we could kill a variety of pathogens, even with turbid water as high as 40 NTU turbidity. Right. Okay, and all of this stuff, I now know that a high school teacher would be out of his or her depth to do in their own, yeah, in, in their own home or in their spare time. It's a lot of stuff we did. <laughs> then we took this device and sent it to the top laboratory, the top lab in India. That, that does real pathogen research in Mumbai is called the Hafkin Institute. Okay. And we asked them to test this UV Waterworks device against live pathogens okay. from a dozen different 
diseases taken from patients who were on the hospital beds. Right. Okay. So it was blood dysentery and Shigella and this, that, and the other, all kinds of stuff, including rotavirus. Right. And we showed that even rotavirus, because you cannot culture it in a petri dish, you have to do a very fancy experiments to, to test that. And we showed we could we could destroy rotavirus. We could even destroy cryptosporidium spores which are very hard wow. to incubate and requires uh, specialized uh, lab approaches. But you right. could do all of this. So now we had something that was like a really amazingly inexpensive device. And then the, the company, which had never ever seen water being sold for profit anywhere in the world, they still had good willing, uh, they had investors who said, this is a win-win if you if it works right. <laughs> so for <laughs> so it was a, a enormous leap of confidence to say that because the technology works, you could actually make a business model and and serve hundreds of thousands or millions of people every day. Yeah. <laughs> but so there were a number of people who took risks along the way when it came through because you kick the tires the best you can along, right? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so their initial model was that they should be like a light bulb factory. You make just the UV waterworks, the box, mm -hmm. and then anybody can plug it in and it should work. And it, it was a disaster. It didn't work that way because the people would buy the box for about $500. And then they would sell the entire plant for disinfecting water for $10,000. Because it would have big tanks, it would have level controllers, it would have pumps, it would have mechanical filters upstream, yeah. it would have a clean water storage tank, and it looked big. So you could sell it for $10,000. But like little box, you couldn't sell. Unless it came with all the pumps and the tanks. Right. And the guys who had the pumps and the tanks made all the money. Right. And this company was slowly burning through its founder's capital and going to go bankrupt. Ah, uh, okay. And when things didn't work, there was a lot of finger pointing. That you didn't plumb it right, your tank didn't work, your pump didn't work, your level controller didn't work. So at that time, the CEO of Water Health, Dr. Trallens Addy, he just stopped the car saying, we are going in the wrong direction. Just stop it. We got to do the right thing. What do people really want? Mm -hmm. Dr. Travels Addy is a chemical engineer. His PhD is in chemical engineering. He's originally from Ghana. So he has a lot of developing country experience. He rose to be the international vice president of Johnson & Johnson. And then he said, ah, I want to do something more important. So he quit and became the CEO of Water Health. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. It's totally incredible. What happened is an incredible story in many ways. So he stopped the bus, basically. We are going down the wrong direction. Right. What people really want is not the box. Right. They want safe drinking water. That's what they want. Again and again, people want safe drinking water. They're 
Not because they're not plumbers. They don't know how to buy the right kind of pump to lift how much water at what flow rate. Right. They don't know how to set up a level controller so that the pump will stop when the tank gets full. This is very too much. They don't want that. So we want Water Health to provide a turnkey solution where people simply go up and get safe drinking water and pay for it. That's it. Pay as you go. Right. So Water Health stops selling UV Waterworks. Mm. They are an exclusive license from the University of California to do this business. They said, we won't sell it to anybody. We, we screwed up and we almost lost our shirt. We are going to give water, drinking water, for extremely affordable price. And even now, for water health in India, which is where their biggest operations are, 80% of their customers are below the poverty line defined by the Indian government. Indian wow. government defines the poverty line as BPL, just three letters, which means you're really low income and you get subsidized electricity, subsidized food. Uh, so 80% of their customers are like that, even now. Uh, because they are the ones without tap water, they are the ones without even access to safe drinking water wells. Today's episode is sponsored by Light Sources Incorporated, your global UVC lighting solutions partner. With over 38 years of lamp manufacturing experience, Light Sources is a key partner and supplier of germicidal UVC lamps to hundreds of OEMs globally. Whether your application is water, air, or surface disinfection focused, Light Sources Incorporated has the expertise to help make your design become a reality. To learn more about what Light Sources can do for your business, check out www.light-sources.com. So these systems are mainly community plans, Dr. Ashok? They right have now. to be community plan, yeah, but that okay. was my intent right from the start. And I'll tell you why in a sec. Okay. The residence time of water in the box right. is, a, is about 12 seconds. Right. Okay. okay. Water flows right through. Okay. Which yeah. means that the flow, flow rate is huge. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which means for a single household, you're going to get your safe drinking water supply in about 15 minutes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Which means that the capital that you bought for which you invested that invested in that box uh, is going to be sitting unused for 23 hours and 45 minutes. Right. Yeah. And the interest on that capital, amortized interest, is going to be added to the 15-minute use slot. Right making the cost of water disinfection too high. Right. Once you have a capital investment, you want it to work, work, work. That's how you produce value. Because the capital investment, imagine you bought it by taking money out of the bank where it was earning interest. 
Or he borrowed the money. One way or the other, you are losing money when the capital is sitting idle. Right. So the design of UV Waterworks is purposely such that the capital equipment has high throughput and will work fast and will work as long as possible right. to meet the demand. That means the price of water becomes really low. So there's a whole bunch of economic thinking and behavioral psychology that goes into how, how it all works. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and that's how you go from physics to drinking water. <laughs> yeah, through having to learn how businesses how? work, how behavioral yeah. economics works, how marketing yeah. works, how do you design for design for making things so foolproof. For example, there are sensors in the box so that if electricity fails, the box has an automatic shutoff valve so okay. that no water can go in the box. Right, okay. So yeah. that it is guaranteed that if water comes out of the box, it has gotten the right dose of UV light. So all of fail-safe okay. stuff is there. There is a sensor there that checks the water for its opacity to UV. If the water becomes opaque to UV for God knows what reason, like you got too much humic acid, for example, okay? Then the sensor will check that this is not gonna disinfect the water now. So it will kill, kill the in, inlet valve. The inlet valve is damn expensive, but it is, a, it is something that makes, is a fail-safe valve. Right? It's so interesting how you have to take in human behavior as a consideration. Yeah. I mean, even I when you are- people, no? Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating. You can have the solution to every problem in the world, but humans are humans. And in the end, if you don't yeah, account yeah, yeah. for that, you can't help anybody. That's very, that's really? very insightful yeah. and frustrating. In fact, in fact, I'm going to show you this book, which is my guide for okay. everything I do about design. It's called The Design of Everyday Things. Okay. It's by a okay. professor at... Uh, Professor, now retired, I think, at um, University of California, San Diego. Uh, right. uh, it's by Don Norman. And it talks about how to design things that are meant for everyday use that you can actually use, that millions yeah. and millions of people will use. Which is why on the top is a design of a hot water kettle with a handle on the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> I like I, I was wondering, wait, did they get the cover wrong or what is happening there? And I was like, oh, that makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> He's joking with you. When you right, see the I'm cover, you, you, you laugh. You're like, oh God, I get it. Right, no. so, so looking at like how to make things work for every day and how you've had to, the, the journey really that you went on to providing clean water, you know, when you look at how UV technology is changing, how you have LEDs, how you have 222 nanometers starting to become part of the conversation, yeah. where do you see that going or what are you looking at using it for, if anything? Well, uh, right now, is just one more amazing thing in my back pocket, right? Okay. Because, right. because you have to have this toolbox in your saying, I know now this is incredible. So first time around when LEDs 
you we see LEDs are just coming up. Yes. We were thinking of lining the entire top of the box with UV LEDs. Right. Okay. But at that time, the cost was so high. Yeah. And it might still be, but now because the UV LEDs are so small, you could imagine making a water disinfector about the size of a coffee maker. Right. Uh, and then use the same exact approach as a coffee maker where you would yeah. disinfect water at a household level with very compact, but this is going to the middle class now. Okay. Right, exactly. Right. But that's fine. There are a lot of people, a life saved is a life saved. Okay. Right. A lot of people in all classes. And I, I, why my research aims at the unsaid people at the bottom of the economic pyramid. I still very strongly believe that a life saved is a life saved, no matter what your income. And that means whosoever you can help and you have a business model and you can make a decent business margin so you get investments coming in because that is key to scale up. Otherwise, you got to touch the feet of the bureaucracy, which is never going to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, it's one great. of the angriest times I remember was when I was giving a talk in Berkeley, right. my own university, and a professor of sociology said, by providing safe drinking water through the private sector, are you not relieving the responsibility of the government of India to provide safe drinking water to its own people. Right. And I've never gotten so angry in my life. <laughs> I lost it. I lost my temper. And I said, how many children have to die before you will get off your chair and do something about it? Right. India has been independent for God knows how many decades. And people in India still don't get safe drinking water. And yeah. you just want not to let the private sector do it. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I have no answer to that. Well, it takes a lot of Thank you for coming today. Thank you for giving your time. We know you're, you're absolutely busy. Just the fact that your Wikipedia page is a certification that you are absolutely busy. Uh, we, uh, can you tell us, uh, to our listeners, basically, where we can learn more about you, where more about your work, what you're currently doing, and what your future plans are? Is there a place where we can go and talk, to, read about? Uh, I guess, this, yeah, that's a good question. This, the, the simplest thing to do is to go to my research lab's web page. It is right. gadgillab.berkeley.edu. Okay. And it is about uh, six months behind what we are doing usually because it takes time to before you mature and write something up and put it up. But it's a, it's a pretty good picture of what we are up to. Uh, not everything is there only because we move fast. We love right. to move fast. Right. There's a lot of excitement. And, and so all the stuff we do will eventually find its way there. <laughs> or or awesome. simply just... Go to Google Scholar and check out papers that we publish. But then they're like three years behind what we are doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So your website is the most up-to-date news. Six months. <laughs> All right. We'll be sure to find okay. it. All right, that's it for today. Thanks so much to Professor Ashokat Gil for joining us on the show. Like he mentioned, you can learn more about his work by visiting his research group's webpage. You can find the link in the description of this episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to check out the Wavelength episode with Professor Hadas Mamane from Tel Aviv University on her UV disinfection work in India. Thanks again to Light Sources Incorporated, your global UVC lighting solutions partner, for sponsoring today's episode. The show is produced by Dana Pusti. Nathan Moore does our sound design. The hosts today were Molly McManus and Sakith Tanaru. Huge thanks from my side on this part. Our music is by Justin Dossett and Stephanie Gora of Almost Lovers. I'm Michael Hoffman. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and keep checking out the podcast for more news from the UV world.